G'day everyone, this is Tractor and welcome to the Joel Ball Podcast. Today I've got a team that's been around a bloody long time. They were in Laser, they were in Fragtag, they were around before Joel Ball was even a thing. It's the Death Jesters. Anyone that knows Oni or Steve Snellman is familiar with that name. Today we've got the 2IC. Kermit. G'day Kermit, how you going? Very good, Tractor, yourself. I'm well. And we have Little Bear as I like to call him, but he like, because... We've got two bears in the industry. So, bear. Yes, I'm part of Death Jesters, and it's pretty good being out here at Wacol. Cool. What What's your role in Death Jesters? He's a I am here. currently the ammo bearer, or as I call it, a gunner assistant for our gunner. Okay, so what do you do? What, like, what's your main roles in the team? I carry the extra speed loaders worth of gels for our gunner. Yep. And so, I keep them fed and firing. So, that's mainly for milsims, yeah? Yes. Cool. Um, what else do you see the number two on the gun doing in gel ball? So people that are used to number two on the gun from the old army days, what's like you're not carrying a spare barrel. No. What what else do you do? I am oh, nine times out of ten I'd be the also the uh, squad medic. Oh, so so you're the medic as well? Yes. I'd say that first before number two on the gun. Um, so you've milsimed at Toowoomba, and yes. where else? Eastern Predator 1.5. Cool. Um, have you done one or two Toowoombas? I've done three Toowoombas now. Three? Oh, my gosh. Um, so what I like to say about milsim, it's like ice cream. I, I do vanilla. Jace over at Toowoomba does chocolate, and somebody else does strawberry. That doesn't make them not milsim. So what's the difference between chocolate and strawberry for you guys? Because you play both. Well, the difference I've found out is the scenario setup that both fields run. Yep. Or enterprises, whatever yep. they are. Yep, yep. And how they, how their location set out and what they perceive as Milsim. Yeah, because we've both got different ideas about what Milsim is and isn't, but we're both doing Milsim. Yes. Yep. What about you, Kermit? What do you got to add there? Well, considering my first Milsim was Toowoomba. Yeah, I can't. I, I reckon my my chocolate version of Milsim has obviously been purely have been what Toowoomba has been running. So yep. a typical blue four versus red four thing. But that being said, those were the first two Milsims over at Toowoomba. Having done one point five with Ben the uh, the DJs, yes, introducing a little bit of that serial serial role play element in. Yep, definitely adds um, I don't know, such a, a much more bigger or bigger variety. So what you experience, so what we call the LARP factor, similar to D&D yep, yep. as well, not just taking your gel blaster and just squeezing the trigger. But to be fair enough, I do not think you really get a lot of time on the gel blaster necessarily. It's quite a lot of um, bunny hopping around the field, chasing objectives. The good thing about the last Mills Inventor that was just concluded was actually a serials-based role, serials-based role play rather than just a pure one force versus another force kind of thing. So do you guys think that's the way the industry is going into more realistic role play, more backstory, more long arch overarching roles? In terms of overarching roles, I only see that happening at EP at the moment. Yep. From just a lot of um site talk from Jake and just looking at the photos from EP in one point zero. Which you were I, at EP one point five though. Yeah. I was at one point five, yeah, yeah. But not one point zero. Yep. So in a way it I'm thinking I would preference myself to the role play aspect of it because yep. it definitely adds that immersion because a lot of people hmm. don't like that like some of the feedback i get is we want a real skirmish we want to be hard and fast and 
And and there's absolutely a place for that. There's definitely a place for that. Uh, for me, I'm happy to try many different varieties. I mean, as a gel ball player, I yeah, mean, you, you you can't be like cheating on your chocolate ice cream with your vanilla. No, That's you, not you a def- thing. No, you want some variety. Yeah, you definitely want some variety. I don't want to eat vanilla the rest of my life. And I don't know, to add some more to this um, discussion is why limit yourself to just one aspect of that when there's so many things you can try and. What is getting me excited about EP 2.0 is I really want to see what the backstory is because for an actual proper exercises that we do, you always get this fictitious scenario that's been established and you have got to adhere to the rules of engagement that might exist between yeah. different forces and all that. I better that. give some context here. Yeah. You're ex-military. Yes. You were, um, I'll, uh, I'll let you say it. Yeah. So ex-national services from Singapore. So I was actually posted to the Republic Singapore Navy after completing my basic military training in uh, Pulau Tokong, which is basically where all the recruits go to to get basic training, was posted to... So is it unlike in Australia, you're trained for one service, you do mm. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, all go together, yep. and then you go off to a branch from there. Mm. Is that how it works? I think it really depends. I think for the general intake of national servicemen, that happens. But there's also a bunch of people that actually sign on to be regulars and volunteers. Yep. And you also got people who get posted to the frontline units. For example, the commando regiment, guardsmen, for example, they get put, or the naval diving unit, they've got their own basic military cycles because they want to do what they want to do. They are the elite forces, tip yeah. of the spear kind of a thing. Yeah, well, there's going to be different roles, but this, this thing for me, like a million years ago, I was a drill sergeant. That, and I say that because that's what people understand. When I say that, they understand my role. I was a corporal at Kapuka, leading sections, doing all that stuff. And... I can't imagine having common induction training for Army, Navy, and Air Force all in one place. No, it's... I mean, it's only basic training, and they're training you to just basically fight in the jungle. Yeah. Just uh, bush skills, jungle survival skills, just infantry movement, which is all replicating what's what might possibly happen in Malaysia, which is up north, our big cousin next door. Yep. Also known as um, Red Force sometimes. <laughs> it's basically just... Bu- so that's our Camaria or Musoria. Yeah, that's yep. right. So it's just leap and bounds over palm trees, basically. Palm... Yeah, palm or plantations and all that stuff. But I do not think that's the case anymore. I think the strategic view of Southeast Asia has completely changed to the, to the north. Yeah, the whole world's changing and evolving with COVID and with terrorism and all that stuff. Everything's very different to what I did when I trained. Yep. So, Bear, you've got a little little flavour of military training in the back of your life. Uh, you yes. want to? Do you want to talk about it or do you want to hide that? I was a little itty-bitty cadet at one point or another. Which sort of cadets? What flavour? I was an army cadet based out at Wacol. At Wacol? Yes. Back in the day when Wacol was still a barracks? No, after it shut down from being a reserves base. Yep. But right. we got to use the obstacle course. So how long were you in cadets for? A uh, couple of years? A long time? Four years. Yep. What? Did you get to CUO or cadet warrant officer or? No, I never cared about rank. Uh, who does? <laughs> <laughs> Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. That's it. So you've got a little bit of that. I've been out in the bush and bivouacked and yes. that sort of stuff. Has that prepared you in any way for mill simming? Yeah. Just don't be loud and secure all you get. So when you run around, it's not um, clanking or making a racket. Yep. Have you been able to influence... Uh, obviously, there's guys on death gestures that have got no military background whatsoever. And this is a question to both of you. What have you been able to bring to those players that have never had military experience to get them ready for a mill sim? Uh, for me, it'd be um, to tell them how to secure the kit properly and 
or basic um, gear to have on. So first aid kit, water, yep. etc. What about you, Cam? Well, it's that's a very loaded question on my dad. It's, <laughs> it's basically well, we got we got people who are really willing to learn, which is excellent. But I think it's just going back to our our military days. It's basically training the essential skills of infantrymen, essentially yeah. what you really need to be able to thrive at Milsim, not just a case of just squeezing the trigger on the blaster, but being able to hump it, being able to hump it with a pack on the back, be able to pack pack your bag, your your haversack with whatever you need or yeah. your bergens. Basically for long marches. Well, I don't think we're gonna be doing long marches with EP two I'm not sure about that yet, but it would be well, good to have that because it You're certainly gonna know what the jungle is after EP two point mm. Well, I've seen many, many jungles <laughs> in my lifetime, but always happy to discover another one. Bear's shaking his head here going, What is Tractor up to? <laughs> Tractor is scheming to create a full <laughs> immersive experience for yeah, for players coming to EP two point zero. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm gonna break more close heart, and I've got a little little secret out here. It's a, it took us about three and a half hours to walk across the narrowest part of the property, mm. and that would make it about sixteen hours to walk from one end to the other. It's because it's not in the jungle. It's not about oh, it's a hundred meters. It's about hours. It's about hours because you're going to make a noise, yep. and it's it's tick. You cannot just walk forward and hope to travel in a straight line. That doesn't happen. Did I show you guys photos of it yet? You show me a little bit of it. Yeah. So does that like give you flashbacks? Well, it's definitely flashbacks in well, just getting am- like getting ambushed by doing simulated ambushes in the bush. I mean, you can just hide and they will not be able to see you. And it's always the attacking force will have to suffer casualties. They yeah. Will definitely suffer casualties. And that's the reality you gotta accept going into the jungle. What army decides to go and find the jungle? It better be very, very important. <laughs> hey, look, and all the guys from Vietnam have got some ideas about how that works, and I'm sure we can incorporate that. Mm. So if there's somebody out there and EP2 or the next one that Jace runs is going to be their first Milsims, what's the top three things you say don't do? Oh, I, yep. oh. I'll start off. Um, travel light. Yep. Go as light as so you can. Don't carry too much. Don't carry too much. Make sure your boots are sorted. If you need to go and see a podiatrist, well, then again, I don't just do Milsim. I do a lot of other things outside of yep. Milsim that keeps me very fit. Well, yep. then again, my fitness is, comp- is completely different from anybody else's, but be prepared to walk it. So what do I say? Pack light. Make sure your boots are sorted. And make sure you eat and drink. Yeah, especially drinking in the jungle. Yeah. What about you, Bear? What are the three things, like if you were bringing new recruits to the First Army bivouac, what are the three things you'd say to them? Don't do this, don't do that. Uh, besides what Kermit said, I'd uh, suggest or make it mandatory for first aid kits because you'll never know when you'll actually need it. Yeah, and you're going to get scratched up and cut yes. up in the jungle. Um, long sleeve clothing. Yep, and, and that's in the CSSO, so mm. we'd hope people did that. And don't bother bringing anything that relies on a PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, we had a few people disappointed at the last one because they ran out of power for their phone and for their this and that. Oh, so shame. Do you do you guys have an internal policy about mobile phones at Milsims? Well, it's got to be quiet. Make sure it doesn't vibrate. You keep on silent. Well, for me, I personally, I'll turn it off. I only turn it on when, well, we're yeah. camped out, not doing anything serious. Because a lot of guys rely on mobile phones to do various things, but that gives you a digital signature. Do you think people are at the level where they're looking at what you're doing online during the game? 
Mm, some of them might do that, but it kind of breaks the immersion as well. I mean, you do not necessarily have a GSM signal in the fictitious country we're in, but maybe yeah. there are. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, with that, with me, second time out Toowoomba, when we secured the um, ammo cache, mm. I, when we got back to harbour, I decided to call up my little sister on the phone, just had a chat with her. So in terms of hour and hour time, I think it's fine. Yep. You just break immersion totally and just do what you need to do. Yep. But I suppose when you're in it, by using it to like communicate with people and everything, I suppose it depends whether you got whether the admin team or the EP is going to allow that. But for to warm a mills them, I think people use their phones to communicate with one another anyway. Yeah, and yeah. and that's a fairly secure way to. It is like everyone in the industry has got a bloody bowing, and they're communicating on frequencies that they maybe shouldn't be. Yep. Um. So, yeah. No, it's a bit of a catch-22 there. It's phone secure. You don't have to worry about a lot of things. And you can send more than just text messages, voice messages. You can also send photos and everything else, which might help with navigation, might help with IFF. And, and there's there's navigation apps and mm. digital compasses and all that in your phone. So, yep. But it also means that you need to carry what? A power source yep. to recharge that. That's right. And in a skirmish, you're not going to have to think about that. But if you're out for three days with no 240-volt power... It will become a problem. Yeah. Especially if you're not prepared for it. And I remember back, oh, probably about 96, we did the introduction into service for the Ninox night fighting equipment. Mm. And the biggest thing, all the guys that were stealing from Vietnam were going, where are you going to get the batteries for this? Like, yeah, it's great. This will last for five or six hours. But then what? So you've still got to train the old training. Still got to listen out. Still got to be yep. able to pick up your targets at night. Because... Um, what do you guys know about the Predator radio system that we used at 1.5? 1.5, I know that you can track them individually. Yep. Yep, you, well, you can record them as well, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And you can track teams out in the field. So definitely for admin and safety, that is brilliant. See, we gave, um, there's, there's two types of radio. There's a W5 and the F8. The F8 is the one that all the SIGs get. Mm. The W5 is a touchscreen version of the F8. So you can see in real time and talk on the Baofeng tech frequencies, you can talk in the F8 frequencies and see in real time everyone on your team. Uh, I personally want to actually have a look at it. It's, <laughs> it's basically your 3G, yeah, your 3G army now. You can actually see your little chess pieces moving on the belt. Yeah, it, it's a Blue Force spot. tracker without... Uh, and guys are buying ATACs and various other systems that do the same thing, but... Um, and we can break that down. If your team wants to go out and buy the W5 radio and run it at Predator, you could theoretically all have that touchscreen radio. It's about 180 bucks Aussie. Mm. Um, and we gave them to the red and blue commanders at 1.5, and they didn't really know how to use them. Which is a little bit of a disadvantage, because if you mm. don't use these force multipliers from a command level, you might get, a bit, get into a bit of strife. Well, just that. So we've already got a blue commander for uh, EP2. Oh. And you played against him today. It was Lachlan from Noble One. Noble One, Lachlan. Is yeah. it the, the guy with the M2A3. Two or three, is it? Well, I don't know whether it's the young fella. Or yeah, he's young, but young um, I'm keen to see him lead the blue to, uh, mm. well, to whatever they're going to, victory or destruction. Mm. Well, kudos to anybody taking a leadership role. Mm. Always wouldn't want to be in their shoes. It's not easy mm. because the people under him are. It's always up to the people that when they're going to listen. And I hear that yeah. death jesters are going to be on. Which side are you guys going to be on this time? Because mm. you you don't 
have a I'm always blue or an I'm always red thing. I think Last time you were militia yeah. for us and you've been blue four out at Toowoomba. Yep. So what are you doing for EB2? I believe if I'm hearing from the grapevine correctly, we'll be on red four. That's the story I'm given. Yeah, but who knows? It could always change. So if you guys were going to be red four, what sort of tactics would a red um, or the opposition guys in the jungle, what sort of tactics are you going to be able to use that a blue team wouldn't? Oh, just playing around with ROE, playing yep. around with blue for ROE, just committing skullduggery, guerrilla operations as much as you can. Mm. Because I have no idea who our Red Force commander is, but typical Russian tactics is they will throw the militia or local local volunteers into the front first before we do anything serious. Let's go back to Afghanistan in the 80s. Yep, exactly that. So, um, Bear, you did a bit of this skullduggery shenanigans at EP 1.5. Do you want to talk about that for I briefly? I believe I started it. Um, you, you did? <laughs> what? But tell our listeners, what, what did you do? I dressed up in a bright blue kimono, dropped all my gear, had nothing but my lap knife hidden under my kimono. Walked down to... And, and visualise this, people. Dude wearing a blue kimono, walking around and doing what? Asking and shouting out if anyone seen my goats or have you have you seen my goats? Then I'd walk up to what I didn't find out till I was right up to them, a small element of noble team, mm-hmm. and asking them if I could use their Balfang, which I called a fancy satellite phone, if I could call their commander to ask for help to find me goats, then we started poking out or pointing out all um, non-Red 4 members that we could see in our vicinity yep. and s- saying that our goats must be over in that direction. Uh, and it was that something you'd sort of pre-planned with your team before that? Uh, the, the only thing I was planned was dropping all our gear and just going down to see if we can... And um, I think myself and another, another individual from Death Stretches, I think it's Bradley, if I can remember, we were standing by to set up an ambush to yep. hopefully, well, it's going to be hard for, but then again, the opportunity may arise where Ben might actually drag one of Noble team away from the safety <laughs> and security from the rest of the squad and might give us an opportunity to capture him. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But we were ready to either shoot, shoot the girl, just take an opportunity to just get a one-up on the opposing force as best we can. And that's one of the many things that, well, guerrilla forces do yep. is to confuse the enemy. And So ROE is rules of engagement and we have uh, just w- what does um, Toowoomba do in terms of that? They've got their own version? Well, they only played a serial well, a couple of serials on the, f- on the first day or well, the first half of the game so in the way of, okay, Blue 4 needs to follow this strict set of ROE basically what we call courageous restraint if I were to yep. basically so you can't shoot region. unless you're shot at you cannot shoot unless you're shot at or if the enemy is carrying a weapon you need to, you can only search them yep and all the ex-army guys they'll know that as yellow card yep. uh, Kevin with what you said before it, we were our rules of engagement was we cannot engage them unless they act hostile towards us with or without a weapon mm. if we see them with a weapon and they're not acting hostile we can't do nothing about it yep so it's all about their actions, not the equipment they have. Yes, that is correct. The equipment will give you a certain idea, but it's all down to actions as well. I kind and, of misheard that. And EP 1.5 was different than that. It, you could be shot or engaged, sorry, if you had a weapon. So you went, I'm not carrying a weapon and I'm going to walk over there and see if I can get them all confused. Did it work? Yes, it worked quite well. Um, the noble element, which, was, which I was harassing, they had to call up the commander twice or three times to ask 
What's the go? What do we do about this dude in a kimono? Like, is he a bad guy? Is he? Was it an effective distraction? Were you able to take tactical or strategic advantage from this? Yes, it was. We were able to um, locate where their positions was and were, or where possible ambushes might have occurred. Yep. And we do have some members of Blue 4 and PMC gear, I think, wearing white, bright white helmets in the middle of the bush. So, <laughs> in a way, we don't really have to work hard to figure out where they are anyway. Yeah. So, like, and I try to get this podcast for those that are thinking about doing a milsim to give them as much ammo and information as you can. So, it, it doesn't matter where the milsim is or who's running it. The, some guy in Cairns could run a milsim. It's still going to have rules that you've got to abide by. Unfortunately, ours is 42 bloody pages long. Nothing wrong with that. Well, from <laughs> my point of view, anyway. <laughs> so, the thing about rules that I have um, from my background is what we call positive interpretation. Yep. That means that if the rules don't say you can wear a pink tutu, that means you can't do it. And a lot of people that haven't had a military background don't understand that not everything can be written in the rules. Like we could write 300 pages about what you can do, what you can do, what you can do. And instead we go, all right, these are the blasters you can use. And we put a list there. And if it's not on the list, you can't do it. A lot of people go, oh, but you didn't say I couldn't do this. How do you guys feel about that with rules? <laughs> That's a hard one. So, well, whenever I get just to read the CSSOs that were coming up shortly, um, like I said, positive interpretation. I mean, it's, you always write out what you can't do. No, yeah, what you can do is written. Yep. What you can't do is anything that's not written. There we go. <laughs> it can a lot, be quite Because a lot of people go, well, you didn't say I couldn't. You, you didn't say I couldn't fly a plane in here. And we were like, well, we, of course we didn't because we didn't think about that. Yeah. We told you what you can do. Mm. And if there's something else, and that brings me to the platoon sergeant role that we have, which is something that we've thought, oh, shit, how do we get admin in there without interfering? Because at EP1, the commander of the Blue Forces was an admin person to try and drive the story and do everything mm. else. And we found that that didn't work the way that we wanted it to. So we went, all right, let's have a player be the commander and their number one guy, their platoon sergeant, and anyone that's been in the military knows what a platoon sergeant does, is an admin person so that the team leaders can go straight to that guy and go, can I do this? He can get on a radio and talk to me in plain language and go, hey, tractor, they want to do this thing. Mm. The rules say this and they want to do this. Okay, now from what I s I think it's the rules are there for a good reason is to basically control the flow of the game yep. and basically don't allow people to just, well, not give any side uh, unfair advantage, I think, which is another part of it too. Did you I guys reckon. interact much with the platoon side at one point? Oh, yeah. So I think Damon was playing Red 4. Red yeah. 4. And he is again. Soldier. Yep. And he's again, which is awesome. Just awesome to have him on board. I mean, he is part of admin, but he's also fighting with us too. Yeah. But I think the key thing is understanding that if you've got a problem, there's someone you can talk to. Yeah. And even pre with EP 2.0 coming up, it's a case of, okay, the CSS will be released. This is the time where it's going to be a two-way street in terms of asking admin questions, clarifications, and everything else about what needs yeah. to get done because you don't want to come to an event not knowing what to do or not having a clue on, obviously, revi the revive system. Yeah. The revive system. Because we had a lot of, a real lot of confusion at EP1 about when you got hit and you had an armor plate on, you could do this or you couldn't do this or that meant. Um, and what the feedback I got was, People that were wearing armor went, well, I've been hit. That doesn't matter. I've got armor. The first time I get hit, 
And I'm like, yeah, that, that's no, you still actually go down. how I wrote it. <laughs> and then when I read it, thinking from their perspective, I'm going, I, I can see what you're saying there. So that's why we're refining the rules to try and mm. make it not better or anything, but just clearer. Yeah, but in my head, it's like, if you ever get hit in the body, I'm not that I have, you will get bruised and you'll be a little oh, bit winded for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, it will take a while for you to come up anyway. Yeah. So we're introducing a new thing called the PIP. The PIP is the player induction package. And it's all, like for me, I know Morkai's got more on this, but for me, it's all about understanding those hit and not hit and medic rules. So we'll get a player to go to a field that's got a PIP certified. I don't know how we're going to do mm. this, but we want to be able to, you play where you play, and it's not about coming to Wakehold to do this. It's, okay, you get shot, this is what your team does. And we'll we'll walk through that with your team and then go, all right, this is how a tourniquet works. This is a black tourniquet. This is a red tourniquet. This is when you, okay, you use that one now. And it's about making sure people understand the rules way before they can get there so they can train within the rules. Because you guys do a fair bit of training, don't you? Yes, we do. Yeah, you get together and you, you were doing it about once a week at one stage, weren't you? Yes. So pre-COVID, yeah, we've been doing training. But I think now it's most of the, the originals will have a very good idea of what we need to do as a squad. Yeah. I think everything else is done to Esprit de Corps and with new members coming in, it's just bringing them, teaching them as we go along, bringing them to events like here at Wake Hall, even for day games and just, yeah. just that's our training now and I think YouTube is just full of stuff now that people can just watch. Yeah. Obviously adapting it to the to the scenario of playing with gel ball, which is only 20 metres, 30 metres, yep. or whatever you can see. And let's face it, in the jungle, if you're fighting in 20 metres, that's a bloody long engagement. Mm. It's a very like, long engagement. Like think about firing and moving. You're you're trying to get through vines, you're trying to get through lantana, you're dodging around trees and trying to remember which direction you were travelling when you all started this. Yep. And the gel balls will get stuck in trees, won't even end up where yep. you're aiming yep. at. So. Yeah, that's it. Mm. And anyone that's seen Predator when they shot the jungle, like the jungle takes a lot of cutting down. Oh, the jungles. The jungle's just a beast. But so a here's a tip for young players. Bring a set of garden secateurs. Mm. Yeah, lot safer than a machete and everyone can carry on really easily in a pouch. Mm. <laughs> Machetes are just our bread and butter for cutting through the jungle, but it's not going to be a lot, obviously. Yeah, I'm just imagining somebody with a machete over-swinging or under-swinging or ended up with it in their kneecap. Mm. And that would be interesting to pull them out of there. <laughs> yeah, well, mm. a- any sort of real medical stuff um, is going to be a problem. Stretcher because, bearers, because yeah. they're going to get infection, sterilization issues and all that stuff yep. if they're far away from HQ. So I suppose we need to tell people that you need to be able to learn how to carry your teammates. And this isn't tactically speaking, this is practically speaking. Mm. You need to be able to get a ground sheet, put two big trees through it and move somebody to where we can get an ambulance to. Mm. And that that's not something you want to learn on the day. No. That's something you need to go out and train now. Did you do that stuff in Army Cadets, Bear? Uh, yes. We were taught how to do it. Shirts, pants, um, two-person carry, three-person carry. Yeah. I, like, considering the, the load and the equipment that people are wearing in Milsim nowadays, I, I wouldn't try and do it in shirts and pants, but I'd, I'd get a stretcher cover. Mm. Like a canvas stretcher cover or the old... Did you ever use the old ground sheets that the army had? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah. So something like that, made out of fairly strong material that mm. you can, your medic can stow in your little medic pack. Well, I just hope some people are carrying rope with them too. You create stuff off the ground. Yeah, or paracord or whatever. Yeah, paracords. We've got heaps of that. Yeah. Or someone might actually end up bringing a stretcher. 
like a proper display with stretcher. Yeah, and the, and the reality is that there's only one track that goes through this jungle for us as admin. We can't just go stuff it. We're going to drive 300 meters. That we physically can't drive a vehicle through there. Even we had quad box. It's not going to get through. Well, we always hope that players are sensible and obviously yeah. don't risk real-world consequences when the game results, but adrenaline flowing, anything can happen. <laughs> I yeah, think the team is probably planning for the worst-case scenario too. It is. Yeah, so um, hydrate or die, guys. Like, get that camel back, fill it up. Mm. Carrying water is never dead weight in my mind when no, you're it's talking never dead about weight. the tropics. But I think people always tend to forget that it's not just water you need, it's the electrolytes and the salt that you lose from your system. Yeah. That's what's keeping you going, really. And people obviously overdo it nowadays with drinking 15 Powerades a day, but oh, ha- having that sort of stuff... Mm, um, helps. Even if it's just salt tablets. Salt tablets are fine. Yeah. Did, um, like, how many bivs did you do back in the day? A bunch uh, of, like, one a year, or...? No, uh, we had one main one, which was annual camp, which was once a year. Yep. Italian camp, which was uh, once a year, and not including those two or any of the extra courses I've done, would have been probably six. Okay, so you've got a little bit of runs under the belt, and you've done, what, three, four mil sims now, so you've got a fairly good idea of what to carry. One of the things I'm saying to people who are preparing now, and I don't want you guys to challenge me on this, is you don't want more than a 30-litre pack for EP2. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, depending on what the, what the scenario and the operations requires to do, I, I always think back to how the SES plan for operations. That sounds very hardcore. Some people might be telling me that, but no, that's if it's necessary, you've got to take it with you. Yep. As so much, yeah. Like, when you're thinking about the pack you're going to load out now, what's the physical size? Of the, is it bigger than you? Or is it, it like is a compact thing? It is probably or? half of me. Yep. I won't say it's bigger than me. I do have a 60-litre pack, but it's a pack I was issued with in the Army, and yep. I'm still using it. It's reliable. What about you, Bear? What uh, sort of pack are you? would be probably a third of the size of my torso. It's about 40 to 60 litres. Well, I'd say your torso is about 20 litres, mate. You're, you're not a big keg like me. Size-wise. So if you think of a water jerry can, is it bigger than that? You'd be able to fit one, maybe one and a half. Okay. So what sort of things have you got in your pack? Because if you think about that travelling through the, the bush with a big pack on... Well, unlike cadets, I keep me hoochie and temp pegs and rope in me pack. Yep. Spare clothes, socks, um, extra food. Yep. Sweets and all that. So with food not being included, that's a great segue for me too, by the way. Yep. With food not being included in the price of the ticket for EP2 and knowing that you're going to do jungle stuff, what when you're going out to buy food, what are you going to buy? I mean, I've called me rich or anything, but I've been relying on the... What's that, backcountry? Yeah, the backcountry um, yep. food packs. Basically, just one serve. And if you're going for a 72 operation, you probably want to pack at least three serves a day. Yeah. Three serves a day in there. Plus, obviously, you need your, your trail mix. Have a have a combination of carbohydrates, sugars, and salts in there too. We better talk about trail mix because a lot of guys mm. wouldn't have done pack running and mm. um, backcountry stuff. So yep. trail mix or scroggin, some people call it, mm. is a mix of? A mix of white chocolate, um, nuts, raisins. Basically, raisin, that's awesome stuff. Yeah, just, I think that's it. And some pine nuts as well. Yep. So the nuts to give you a bit of protein yeah. and the rest is all sugars. Sugars and very, fat. Yeah. I mean, people always say fat is bad. No, fat is, well, fat is basically my main diet at the moment. Yeah, you need yeah. to lubricate your, your mm. joints. Yep, your joints are not lubricated. You can't move, you can't move, you're ineffective, really. Yep. So what, 
What are you packing for the next EP? Unlike Kermit, I pack um Heinz foil sealed soups because so, I'm too lazy to um heat them up or pour water in them. So you guys don't cook food, so to speak. Like um, a lot of people go, well, I'm going to carry this and I'm going to cook noodles and then I'm. No, <coughs> I don't believe any of us has taken anything that need proper cooking. So you'd you'd go the Woolies route and go, all right, I'm going to grab a can of Big Eat and a can of Spam and a can of Orange Stew mm. or. According uh, with uh, being in line with Oni's policies, we try avoid canned food. Yep. So it just so, rattles just so in the pack. Rattles in your pack. Yes, rattles, and also, if you, it could also Test turn your little rubber pack. bag yep. or rubbish bag and just make it take up more space than necessary. Yep. And apart from the backcountry stuff that I take on, snacks that I take on, I also take on, oh, I, I love these tuna, like vacuum sealed tuna packs. Yep. Well, I'll. I don't think it was it. I'm not sure, but you they're, can they're like a plastic shop. pouch as yeah. opposed to a can, yeah. And it's similar to the stuff that you get issue with as red packs, basically. So what happens is you can just tear it open, just take a spoon, and just eat it straight out. Yeah. And so that is my what we call your your cold food. You can just eat on the go when yep. you need to. Yeah, when you have that five minute stop and yep. do a reorg and yep. somebody's trying to put orders down the yep. radio, shove you it, just jam it down, shove your it down your throat quickly. Because I think I've seen a lot of Milson players. And myself included, back in the day when I was learning how to do this, all in the military, people don't f- always forget how to eat. Yeah. Eating is important. <laughs> especially Bear, bears gone, yeah, that might be me. And especially if you're doing marathons and you're doing very, very long races, from the endurance side of things, you have got to eat. Where's the fuel going to come from? It doesn't drop from the sky. Yeah, you can't suck it out of your body for 30 hours. You've got to put something in. Yeah, you've got to put something in. And so I carry a lot, a lot of food, a lot of water. So one of the things one guy asked me, he said, oh, I like dead potato. It's a dehydrated potato. I put a pour a bit of... Is that something you guys would eat? Well, I am not a certified nutritionist. No, no, as an easy to to prepare, high-carb meal, Mm. is that something you'd consider a packet of dead potato? Packet of dead potatoes. Well, personally, it's not palatable to me. (laughs) I'd rather rather just have a packet of chips, to be honest. Yeah, salted chips. Yeah. yeah, salty chips. Salty I've never chips. tried dead potato, but if someone wants to eat it, more for them. Okay, so let, let's go. What are the top three go-to foods for you, Bear? Like be for main meals. Main at meals. A Either classic chicken veggie soup. Yeah. Um, veggie lentil with chili and smoked paprika. Yeah, lentils are great. They really fill up your belly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very quick. Like they're not they're not much fun if you're a vegan. You get pretty sick of them. But mm. throwing a few chickpeas or something like that into a really pads out a meal. Mm. I mean, if you can afford one of those MRE packs, there's some good stuff these days you can actually get from kit bag or whatever. Yeah, like the hunger busters. Yeah, that the we hunger busters. EP one. Mm. And the third one I'd have would be um pumpkin soup. Pumpkin soup. Yep. Stick in your shirt pocket. Yeah, sounds very luxurious. Get, gets a bit warm. warm yeah. Mm. That sounds very luxurious too. But like I said, if the situation calls that we don't have time to cook, I will survive mainly off mainly on my tuna packs. I'll be relying off my, my muesli bars. I'll be relying on even some electrolyte gels that I use for my races too. Yep. That people might not have heard of it too. So caffe- caffeinated gels. And caffeinated I, gels. Caffeinated gels that I shove down wow. with water. So that's that I can show I can show you some of that. I got some back back of my van. Yep. Yep. Oh back of my van. Yeah, back of my van. It's Basically, for the individual, you've got to know what you, what you eat because the last thing you want is a gastrointestinal tract nonsense happening while yeah. you're walking out there because that is going to be the most unpleasant thing ever. 
while you're out there. So eat what you know you can eat rather than trying something new. It takes yeah. half a year to get used to that stuff. That's it. And like spicy food, yeah, it's great. I love yep. a good taco and some buns with hot sauce on it. Ooh, but yep. I'm I'm not doing that stuff when I'm on a meal sim. And I'm just the admin guy because mm. I don't want to be spending the extra time on the toilet. Speaking of toilets, we'll segue again. Um, so there's two areas that we'll have, like where the talk is, there'll be a toilet there, and we'll have a city like Redfall again. There'll be some structures. I'm not telling you exactly what it is. So there will be two porta potties there. But the other thing we've got the bonus of is we are allowed to dig mm. latrines if you need to go and do your business. So trenching tool. Yep, you got to go and search for an officer, as mm. I used to say. Um, but the thing I'm leading to is when you go on patrol, is one of your section going to carry an ET? Is somebody going to carry some wet wipes? Is that something that's in your SOP? Yes. Wet wipes is a must. Wet wipes is definitely a must for hygiene. I mean, the last thing you want is monkey bum. Yeah. Monkey <laughs> bum is what the Americans call it. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say the other word, but I think that's probably the more politically correct way of saying it. Yep. Yep. But look, hygiene, the last thing you want is you want a monkey bum because that, yeah. that destroys morale very quickly. Yeah, that... that that itchy, sweaty. Yep, I think all of us. Yeah, yep. Gets, Nobody wants that in the real life, but mm. like if you're trying to do it out in the bush and everything else, do it properly. We'll cover you. Yep. What about you, Bear? Do, what do you carry in terms of just general ablutions? Do you do an armpit and crotch, or do you do wet, just a wet wipe, or do um, you ignore it and just get smelly? Uh, if I have the time, I do a proper bird bath. So a lot of people won't know what a bird bath is. So it's pretty much wiping your whole body down with wipes. Yep. And And you can do that with a flannel and a bit of hot water that you've boiled up in a billy too. Yes. And I got a body, well, we were told in Singapore, body bath, just a powder bath. Yep. Powder bath with proper powder. Bit of talcum powder. Yeah, talcum powder. And also with um, washing yourself, after you've done that, don't use anything that has a very strong scent because people will be able to smell you a mile away. Yep. Yep. Scentless. Like Th- they'll smell you at the end of a meal sim anyway. Mm. Like I used to get home from military exercises and I'd just about get hosed on the front lawn by my missus going, you're not coming in here. Oh, the, civil- <laughs> the civilians in Singapore always always talk a lot of national service been down, especially after exercise because we take the public transport back to our homes. And, <laughs> oh, we stink. Oh, we stink. Yeah. No matter how much we behave, it's just stink. So we've talked about a lot of really good stuff that People can go, well, the the thing I want to say, I suppose, in clothing is I'm sorry that the CSSOs aren't out yet. The ones from 1.5 and 1.0 are a great starting ground. If you if you start digesting that now, yep. it's only some slight slight derivations or changes or tweaks that we're going to have in the language or the wording. So do get out and check out the CSSO, which is our rule for how we run a mill sim. And as soon as we can... Because we're in a COVID world and and the one guy that's in charge of this has a real job and during COVID that's been hammering him. Mm. Like some people have got no work and I'm not going to deny somebody's food on the table just oh, to get no. the rules out in time. I know we've only got 50 odd days left, but hey, he's got to get food on the table. No, so. You've got to work, you've got to work. I mean, same here. I'm, I'm probably quite fortunate in the sense that I do on my weekends off. Yep. And I abuse the living daylights out of it just to get a bit of decompression time in and all that other stuff before the working week starts again. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, they're my days off. Mm. Like th- th- this, this is working. For yeah. those of you at home, this is Saturday night. What time is it? This is now 6.58 yeah, p.m. 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. We've been at the field here. I, I 
walked onto the field at 7am this morning to do all the pre-stuff. So mm. we just get things done when we can. Um, but yeah, if you're a team that's never done either Toowoomba or our mule sim, you, you really need to think about starting some sort of training. And if you're geographically a long way away from each other, you need to start working on comms and understanding each other and stuff. I mean, the good starting point there is, if I were to drop some YouTubers' names in, it's a good yeah, place to go start. It's Brent331, I believe. You can look him up as a former United States Marine. He's posted a lot of great videos online. I first discovered him because I was actually looking at ca camouflage effectiveness videos. Mm -hmm. He runs a whole lot of camouflage effectiveness videos of different countries' camouflages, but he also runs like ambush tactics and all that stuff and talks a little about what Americans do and yeah. over in Texas, they actually do proper section tactics and everything, training for the real thing. And, and look, if you go and look at the um, MSATO or mm. Milsim West or any of the way they do Milsims, we're going to have a lot in common with that. Yeah. Um, the thing that I always find amusing is people think a Milsim is the video you see at Milsim West. That's all the really good stuff. And there's about 70 more hours of really suck. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, 20% of it is probably going to be very, very quick engagements, very intense engagements. But yep. I think the question is how you get there. And remember, there's a role player involved. Uh, yeah. For me, it, it's foreplay. Mm. You stretch that foreplay out as long as you can, and then you have the good stuff mm. and you're finished. Yeah. I mean, people who haven't served before have probably not realized that, but if they're going in for the first time, I always say it's you got to be prepared to. So the motto, the motto for EP one was embrace the suck. Yep, and I had one, two of those patches, and <laughs> I love it. And the next one's going to be wetter is better because, like, any time we, for those that don't know about EP one point five, we got halfway through a forty two degree day. And we're in an area that was drought declared and hadn't had rain for three years. And it, and it belted down. If it ain't raining, you ain't training. Yeah, and, and people are starting to ask me to run EPs in drought-affected areas. <laughs> well, so we're in the rainforest, so let's think about it. It's going to rain. You're going to have wet feet. You're mm. going to have wet feet for 72 hours. They're going to get all ugly and mangy. And oh, there would be a lot of... I can foresee a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, so... Mm. Definitely try and take the day after off work. Think about staying somewhere local and just having a shower and dry feet and a nice bed before you go home. We're, we're just around the corner from Noosa and New Monday and the sunny coast. so Beautiful part of the world. Try and take that Monday off. Mm, if I could, but we'll see. <laughs> All right, so uh, this has been Tractor and we've been on the Milton Podcast. I'd like to thank you for coming along, Kermit. You've come a long way from Toowoomba to talk to me today. Oh, that's fine. I uh, did play a game before doing this. so. <laughs> and we've got Bear as well. There's a Bear as well. Thanks for coming, Bear. No worries. Cool. And uh, I wish you the best with the disc gestures. And uh, some people out there are, are gunning for you, I hear. Gunning for us? Yeah. Hunting us? Yeah, there's a lot of banter going on on Discord at the moment. So, Well, well, Noble says they got a, I'm hitless out for me if I bring speak to them about goats. Oh, so there's a bit of back screen. Oh, yeah, I want to hear more of this banter. Well, they always think, think they're hunting us, but it's the other way around most of the time. All right, well, I suppose my next podcast should be introducing one of the main characters from EP, so... Nice. Yeah, if you if you don't listen to this podcast, there's also another one called the Milsim um, Tactics Podcast. There's a guy in America that Ooh. ran that, so lots of good stuff in that. Um, I also recommend the Fieldcraft Survival channel on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There's some good stuff there from some ex-Special Forces guys. 
and uh, I'll try and throw in the show notes for the show yep. a link to the guy you were talking about before, yep, that's so fine. people can just click on that. Awesome. All right, so this has been the Gel Ball Podcast, and I'm going to let us go with uh, my old mate, favourite uh, Cantina Blues. Here we go. Just a quick shout out to my Patreons. Thanks for doing what you do and paying a few bucks a month for uh, all the gear that I use for this. Uh, quick shout out to Nathan who just paid for a brand new mic that Bear's been using for this episode and some cables. There's about 200 bucks worth of gear there. So uh, thank you, Nathan.